Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. We pick it up in verse 25. Now, I'll preface this with saying, uh, sometimes we always expect just the cheerful parts of the stories, and uh, this is going to sound a little dreary, maybe even as we go towards Christmas. Uh, It's going to seem a little bit maybe dark and bleak, which is what we walk through in the season of Advent to get to hope. So hear this reading from Luke 21. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard then, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the weariness of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man, the Word of the Lord. Now, there doesn't seem like much in this world, in this era, unifies us. Like, it feels very divided. Uh, But something I think everybody agrees on is that we all want a better world. We all know that there's something missing, there's something lacking, that we want something more. That, That there's not everything is as perfect as it was created to be, as it was made to be. And all of us have disagreements, though. All of the divisions start around, well, what should that perfect world look like? What should the world be like? How how do we make this possible? And it's, it's funny to me that almost every story, whether it's in film or literature or TV, any story that tries to give a perfect world is always a dystopian story. Because it starts out with some premise of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to like pick what you were wearing every day? And it was just, oh, we have the same kind of dress code. And then you get into like the bleakness of all of your kind of choices are limited and things aren't as great as you expected them to be. Uh, And so almost every dystopian story starts with a premise of wouldn't it be great if the world was like this? And then it takes you right off the cliff of that into seeing how bad it actually could be. Uh, And so... I think humans, we kind of struggle with trying to understand what would a perfect world look like? What is it we even hope for? What is it we long for? And for some of us, that perfect world is in the past where we're trying to recreate something. We're trying to recreate a nostalgic feeling we had. Maybe it's a moment in our lives. Maybe it's a moment in our family history, but like we want to get back to something. For others, we've never experienced it. We want to get forward to something. For others, maybe you you just don't see it ever happening and you just go into an imaginary world and you go into books or movies or whatever it is to get an escape 
see a world that might not be like what you experience every day. And so most of us, we struggle. Well, what is a better world even look like? We know we long for it, but what, what would that even look like? And for us, we could even like pick the people that we should assume. They, they must really like their lot in the world. They must really love their experience. Their world seems perfect. And their faces might be all over TV or on the internet, and you might know them, celebrities, politicians, whoever it is. But even the wealthiest people in the world, when they die, their families, their friends are deciding which of all these things that really matter to them are you actually going to hold on to. Most of the time, just getting rid of a bunch of stuff. All the money didn't really matter when it got to the end of time. Some people, it's like, well, they're, they're the most beautiful people on the planet, but Aging happens to all of us. And eventually, the looks that we kind of rely on disappears. Maybe for some of us, it's intelligence. And like, oh, well, it's like the smartest person on the planet. And then our memory betrays us. That no matter what it is that makes it feel like, oh, they've got the perfect life, the perfect world, like even for that small group of folks, it, it still is so elusive. We all long for something more. We all long for something greater, for something better. And it doesn't take much to get to that spot. You don't have to watch too many news stories to realize, I wish things were, were different. You know, it, when you've got things going on in our home state of whether, you know, the shooting at the school and those kinds of stories that remind you of like kids who should feel protected, who should feel safe, aren't always safe. And what's unique to us is it's so easy to see all of these problems, all of the, the world's struggles. Um, but it's always been the case. People have faced all sorts of challenges, all sorts of struggles, and, and we don't know how to get out of it. And one of the things that I think is unique about us as humans is we have a great capacity to imagine every bad scenario that could happen to us. We're problem-solving survival. It's like, well, what if I don't do this? What if I do that? And, and your brain is going through every scenario of what might happen to you. So no matter how the world is, our brains are always making it a little bit worse because we're expecting the worst. And if you've wondered if your brain is geared towards survival, uh, maybe for all who are parents, if you had kids, if you had especially teenagers, uh, hey, I want to go to somebody's house for the first time, probably your first thoughts aren't around, oh, I hope they make new friends. Oh, I, I hope they work on their social skills. Oh, this will be a great opportunity. Maybe they'll meet people. You're going, is there going to be drinking? Is there going to be drugs? Are there going to be babies made? You know, you're going through every sort of, is their world going to come crumbling down? Because your brain just goes there. And now we walk around with devices that give us all sorts of danger alerts. And so we can't help it. Our news stations are flooded with it. Uh, our phones, we walk around. You know, when the, the world has its worst moments, most people encounter it with they're looking down on a phone, wherever they are that, in that moment. We get a live feed stream. And not only do we deal with the pain, but we deal with the fact that it's so quick. We get so much, like, you know, like first-person point of view of every painful moment. And so we quickly go into... What's the worst case thing that can happen? What do I do about it? And I think the writer of Luke here in chapter 21 is trying to get at that the signs of things that are falling apart are so apparent that they're in the sky. 
Because it doesn't matter where you live. You might live in, around mountains and you can't quite see past the horizon that much. You might live in an open plain where you've got a big open sky. But everybody has access to the sun above, the moon, the stars. So when you see the signs and the sun, the moon, the stars, you know what's, what's coming, what's happening. And for us, those visible signs are walking with us on our devices all the time. That the world is going to have grumbling pains. It's going to not feel quite right. It's going to be painful, and it's going to be obvious to everybody. And so in the midst of that, when we have these signs, when things look the bleakest, when they look the worst, how does the world react? And it's easy to see why we react this way, but Luke gives a few different kinds of behaviors. One is being in distress. Anybody ever felt stressed? Felt anxious? Nervous? Like, we live this experience. It's hard to avoid distress. We talked about the nations being distressed. Anybody feel like that's, that's the case now? Well, it's, it's always been the case. It's how we always respond. We're anxiety-driven around, is the world going to fall down on us? When even the sun, the moon, and the stars above me are, are having problems, everything in my life is caving in on me. And it causes stress and anxiety. One of the other things that Luke says it does is it causes confusion. Anybody ever been confused? What on earth do we do? We kind of live in political systems that live in continual confusion. What's the best route forward? How do we do anything? Because we can't agree, we don't do anything. Like that's going to help. But we live in confusion. People go in different directions. What do we do? Luke also says that people start feigning from fear. Uh, and maybe this isn't usually the first reaction, but as you've gone on the journey of faith, as you've gone through like the tough moments, maybe it's health diagnosis for you or someone you love or, or some terrible moment in your life, it can just feel like your body is going to betray you, that you just can't make it another step. Just boom, feigning from fear. And I, this is too lived of a reality for me. I, I know many of you know when I share, uh, anytime I get shots or blood drawn or eye dilation and all sorts of stuff, my body just drops. It just doesn't, it says, I've had enough. What are you doing to me? And all the blood runs to your feet, your blood pressure drops, and you're just like, well, I'm going to have to sit here for a while. And there's something in us that when the life gets so stressful, when it gets so confusing, when it gets so scary, that we just, we, don't, we stop fleeing, we stop running to fight, we just drop. And we just, dis we just disappear in the moment, we don't know what to do. And so that's the way the world often responds to these kinds of signs. But Luke offers us another way. How could we respond? How should we respond? What is the outlook in the midst of all of the confusion and the pain and the fear? Now, we, we struggle to get, like, take root into, like, how to make this a lived reality, not just something we hear. Um, but the church really often does well teach how you personally can respond. It, it sometimes struggles more with how do we communally do this all together. But let's just try to figure out how to start with us. Because it is hard to get everybody to respond in the same way. But... How can I individually respond today in a way that makes a difference, in a way that makes me respond positively to the challenges of this world? And so 
one of the things that I want to note is the church has often got a bad rap around end of eras, end of time, end of the world kinds of thinking. Because for the church, it's often had an escapist mentality of, well, we're going to leave this world behind. We're not going to be here for any of it. So who cares? You know, who cares about water qualities or food access or climate or any sort of thing that feels too big? Well, God's going to start over anyway. And so we, we have often as churches kind of stood back and, and not necessarily been as proactive when these signs of the times feel too big and too strong and too powerful. And so we've often stepped back. I don't think the Bible often gives us a, a positive view of that stepping back. If you think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, the person who, who kind of just avoids the problem is not the hero of the story. People who step up to help, to aid, to support people in need. Uh, that's the way that, that our texts often talk to us. So what is it to step into the story and not away from it? Luke gives us a few teachings that I would encourage you to embrace today. One of those is to be alert at all times. Now, you know, I love movies. Well, I also love books. And so uh, Lord of the Rings is one of my kind of classics because I enjoyed reading it and then I got loved the movies. But there's a great quote uh, that I want to read for you. Uh, one of the hobbits tells Frodo, well, it's none of our concern what goes on beyond our borders. Keep your nose out of trouble and no trouble will come to it. And it's the love that imagery of like, you stick your nose into this trouble, you're going to get hit. And just stay out of it. And there is this temptation in us to ignore problems. Yeah, the news sounds so scary, I'm just going to never get anywhere near it. I'm not going to listen to what's going on in my community or in the household next door. I just, not my trouble. But the text talks about being alert. And alert means watchful. It means kind of, you know, you're on guard. And it's hard to be alert and intentionally ignorant, where you're like, I don't want to know. But what is it to be watchful, to keep your eyes open, to keep seeing things? Not to get so disheartened that you stop caring, that you stop looking. Because the more times that we see pain, it's harder and harder to come back, to, to care again, to feel like you can do something again. What is it to be alert and to not give up hope, not give up intention? And so what is it to be like that good Samaritan, walking down a road, other people see something and they walk by, but you see it and you show up to it. You show up to do whatever you can, whatever is possible. And so when you see signs of, of, of difficulty, of fear, of, of the structures of power in the world crumbling, what is it to look for where there's pain, where there's problems, and try to, try to be a part of helping and healing and supporting? And one of the things that the text does is it warns us that there are some things in our lives that take our alertness away. And it talks about, you know, beware of drunkenness. And I don't think that this text is trying to say, um, like, it's not like Prohibition era. Uh, they, you know, especially Jesus, they're talking, hey, you're, are you a glutton and a drunkard? Or like, you're having these parties all the time. Um, this text is talking about not to committing your life to something that you get so focused in on it that it takes away your senses of seeing other things. 
that you no longer have the capacity to respond, that you no longer have the capacity to see other things. And so don't go looking for life at the bottom of a bottle that ultimately just, just closes your eyes off to the world around you and limits your possibility, limits your possibility of responding. And so don't, don't be partaking in things that take away your senses, that take away your vision, but keep alert. And one of the ways you can keep alert is one of Luke's second ways of helping today, and that is about prayer. If you want to be alert, one of the best ways to do it is to pray continually. Because if you're praying and you keep going to God and you keep having things to pray for, you can't help but notice things in your life. Because if you're like, I'm going to keep going to God with this, well, it's harder to be forgetful. It's harder to ignore what God is doing in your life, what's going on in the world. So if you want to have some eyes to see what's happening around you, just spend time in prayer every day. The more you pray, the more alert you'll be. And I love that this text says that you should pray for strength. Because often we want to pray for God's strength to just handle our problems. Like, you know, your wish list. God, I want X, Y, Z. Instead of praying for strength to be about X, Y, and Z. Like, God, empower me so I can do something about this thing. And we do want, we just want that rescuing figure to come in and just solve all the problems. But what is it to be praying that God might enable you to be about helping into whatever the problems are. And so um, one of the things I want to talk about with strength is in this story, it talks about praying for strength to escape some things. Now, there is a tendency in Christianity because we have a central narrative, a central story of all things in a crucified Savior that we all want to see ourselves as crucified Saviors. So we want to see ourselves as persecuted all of the time. We're not always being persecuted, but we, we, in a mindset-wise, we are always trying in that framework to understand our existence. And so there are some people who just, they don't want to get out of the pain or trauma. They, they want to lean into it. They want to feel like they are persecuted. And this story talks about, the, you know, there's no brownie points for suffering more. Like, you don't get an extra reward of like, hey, it, have the strength to escape when pain and trauma comes, like you don't have to just endure it for the sake of enduring this. But if God gives you the ability to find refuge, to find peace, you don't have to experience all of that pain just because. And so I know that there are some people who experience a lot of pain in their lives and their experience has been, whether the church has said it out loud or said it quietly, you know, just don't disturb the situation, just endure it keep being mistreated. And some people have just suffered thinking that the church just thought that the best path for them is just to keep suffering. But I love that this text tells you, hey, be praying for strength. One of the things to pray for strength about is to pray for the strength to escape from some of these things. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about some of that escape because we've talked about how escaping uh, can sometimes lead us to avoiding helping being supportive. But sometimes it is enough to just pray for the strength to move, not to just have to endure. Something else that Luke tells us that would help as we respond to the world, instead of distress and fear and, and, and confusion, 
We can, we can live with alertness. We can pray for strength. But we should also stand up properly. And I love his imagery. Is like, stand up, raise your head. And if any of you have had families where they really like stressed posture, you know, like, hey, give yourself some posture. Because it's easy when times get tough for your body language to completely fall apart. Uh, I, I was telling some people that a few weeks ago, I was, I guess when we were decorating for Christmas, I was working and I was like, oh, man, it's like two o'clock. I, I got to go get some lunch. So I ran down the street, went to a Dirty Bird and had some, some lunch, sat down. This is, they got TVs everywhere. And it was like, oh, Michigan State's playing. I forgot about that. And they were playing Ohio State. And there was no score on the ticker yet. And it said, keys to the second half. And it said, body language. I was like, that doesn't sound good. If the keys are body language, you know that like, we're just about surviving. Uh, we're, we're having a hard time. But it's easy that if you watch any game, when a team starts losing and their fans all start doing the... And they call it the surrender, surrender cobra. Um, but it's just like, you can't help, you're just like closing off your existence and you're making yourself small, like closing your world off. And you just can't help it. Your body just starts doing it. So almost every game you see fans doing it of whoever's losing. And yet you don't have to teach people who are winning to like spread their arms out. <laughs> Be like, yes, like that's just, just happens. When you feel good, when you feel victorious, you, you make yourself big. When you feel like you've lost, you make yourself small. And Luke says, stand up, raise up your head. Like when things are tough, don't cower down like you've lost, like this is over. Instead, know why you should feel victorious. Because as much as the pain and the problems look so big and so powerful, there is one bigger, one greater, who the future ultimately reports to, is in, under the control of. And so why do we raise our heads? We raise our heads because Jesus is victorious. Jesus is, is sitting on a throne. That God is good and that, that goodness somehow wins out over evil, over pain. And so Christ's return should lift our spirits, lift our posture, so that we're not coward, cowering and fearful and fainting, but standing tall with God. There was kind of a famous song from a, a group, R.E.M., that they had a few songs about religion that kind of caught popular music. But one of them was, uh, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. For a lot of people, they've kind of accused the church of feeling fine about the end of the world because we're like, eh, goodbye. I ignore the problems. God's going to start something new anyway. But there is a reason to feel fine, but not because of an escapism, but finding your comfort and your peace and showing up in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the trauma, showing up saying, I trust that God is going to do something. And part of what I love about the phrasing of that song is it's the end of the world as we know it. It's not, I feel fine because it's the end of the world. But we are all actually hoping into that. That it is the end of this age. It's the end of this era in which 
death seems to keep winning, even though it ultimately will lose. And so we do want the end of the world as we know it, because we all are longing for that new world, that new creation. But what's great about that new creation is it's not an escape plan, but Christ showing up to here and now. And that Christ's return to the earth. And in Revelation, you get this beautiful image of the new Jerusalem where heaven comes down. It's not us packing our bags and leaving and going out not caring about this place. But God continually is showing that God cares about this place. And God shows up to this world and to our problems. And so, while we all long for and wait for that new day, as we wait for Christmas, as we wait for the return of Christ, we all are still navigating through the darkness of the days in between. The, the nights keep coming earlier and earlier and earlier. But we hope that there's light, that there's God's power, that there's a reason to stand up in this season. And so as it gets darker, be alert, pray for strength, and stand up properly. Because God is with you. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we, we come before you asking that you might help us to, to raise our heads up, that we might find comfort in you, that we might find healing in you, that we might find strength in you. Lord, you know what each of us needs the strength to do. I ask that you give us not only wisdom to do it, but strength to follow you Lord, thank you for all the ways in which you've guided us before, and we ask that you continue to make your presence felt today. No matter what darkness feels like it's closing in, Lord, help us to be lifted up with you, to see those in need around us to respond, and to bring your peace and your presence wherever we go. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.